This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's another disappointing year as a Met fan. It's Larry Hardesty here for Dan Grosser, the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. In the 9 o'clock hour, we'll be joined by Connor Rogers. You know him as an SNY analyst. He's also co-host of the NFL Stock Exchange on Pro Football Focus. So we'll get his thoughts on what's going on with the Jets and his thoughts on this running back thing, which is getting really deep. Listen, running backs held a Zoom call today or a couple of days ago. Whoa. This is getting serious. We'll talk a little football in the coming segment. Right now, we'll talk a little baseball with you. And also, you can hit us up, uh, what do you say, Joe, on, on, on the social media formerly known as Twitter? It's now X. <laughs> at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPNNY98 underscore 7 FM. Back to the phones we go. Nick is in freehold. Nick, you're next on 98.7. Hello, Larry. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Nick, what's happening, partner? Uh, you know, I, I called last week in a, in a tyrant about Brian Cashman, mm-hmm. and you kind of took the, the wind out of my call when you when you explained everything that was going wrong with the Yankees and why we shouldn't have hope. Um, so I, I do have two things to say. One, I feel bad for you. You're giving the Mets another week. I don't know why, but I respect the fandom. I have been a Knicks fan for 30 years now, and mm-hmm. – I have gotten nothing in return for my optimism, so I can mm-hmm. understand. However, when we got off the phone last week, you said Brian Cashman's not being fired. And I know why. He's got an extension, yada, yada, yada. But what what would it take, in your opinion, to have Mr. Steinbrunner's idiot son actually fire him? Because I, I know people sign extensions all the time and get fired. What yep. would it take? Fully. I love you. I'll hang up and listen. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right, Nick. Thanks. Thanks for the well wishes. Nick, I got to be honest with you, my friend. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything. Because here's what they could say. Aaron Judge. We lost Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge has been out of our lineup since June 3rd. No Aaron Judge. We were in third place. 10 games over 500 when Aaron Judge, before he got hurt. Since he's been hurt, we have not played well. Now, listen, it's not all Aaron Judge's fault. And, yes, some guys have underachieved. We've had injuries. We've had bad situations. Look, Josh Donaldson, just when he was coming back to hit home runs, he got hurt again. We've had pitches hurt. You know, we, 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 Stanton's just coming back. Rizzo. So, it, it's... If that if if we don't lose Judge for that amount of time, we'd still be around. We'd be we're still over five hundred. We're still over five hundred. That's what they could say. If I was a judge, if I was a lawyer for Brian Cashman, that's what I would say for him. <laughs> that's what I would tell you. What do you want? We're what two games, two and a half out of a wild card spot, right? That, that's that's what they would say. They're two 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 or two and a half games off a wild card spot, and you haven't had Judge for a month, and you're over five hundred. Yes, you've lost six of your last ten, but we don't have Aaron Judge. What do you want? I get your Cashman now. Take any player as good as Aaron Judge out of out of any team's lineup in the major leagues and tell me how they would fare. He's not going anywhere, my friend. 
He's not going anywhere. He just got an extension. And if now, if this was a scenario where it was like what happened to the Mets this year, where the whole team is underachieved, they've underachieved pitching, starting pitching, they've underachieved bullpen, they've underachieved offense, they've even underachieved at, at the little things like running the bases and, and errors. Then, and no postseason, then he would, he, there is a very good chance he might be gone. And even then, I wouldn't guarantee it. Even then, I wouldn't guarantee it. But this is nothing like that. Nothing. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> He'll be right there. He'll be right there. Okay? He'll be right there. Sam's in San Antonio. What's up, Sam? Hey, Larry. How's it going, brother? I hope all is well with you and your family, my brother. A uh, couple of things I'd like to say. Uh, over the past 20 years, my friend, I've been calling you to uh, to prevent me from jumping off the ledge. This time I'm calling and uh, I'm pushing you off with me when it comes to this team. Uh, how about that, all right? I mean, I, once again, I respect the fanhood. Uh, I'm a diehard just like you are, but uh, you're setting yourself a failure. So you don't now, want to uh, go alone, huh, Sam? You try to take no, you try man. To take me I mean, with you've you. always been you've always stopped me. So you know, I think it's better that uh, that we all do it as a team. Let's just jump together. <laughs> but uh, a couple of things that you actually brought up that were really good points. Uh, yes. All about the Yankees and uh, mm -hmm. just uh, what happened with uh, with uh, Cashman bringing back the same team. Essentially, the same exact thing happened with the Mets. They brought back the same team uh, with the one caveat that I'm about to bring up. They knew that they needed to bring in another bat when they tried yes. to go off uh, after Correa, but they did nothing to replace that after that deal fell through. Mm -hmm. uh, check what J.D. Martinez is doing. They could have had him last year, and then they could have brought him in this year as well. Slugging now, just with, uh, under, Sam, slugging J.D. Martinez close to 600. Uh, how, uh, what do you think uh, the Mets would be doing if we had him? Now, going with Diaz. Best closer in the league last year. We knew he was going to have – We you and I spoke about this. We knew he was not going to perform to that level. However, we still knew he was going to be a top a top closer, did nothing to replace him. Now, here's my final point. Um, there, Buster only is report, reporting that they're sellers. Who's going to be selling? Darren Ruff. The guy that brought in Darren Ruff is going to be behind all these deals. And the one final thing, Larry, and then uh, I'll wait to hear your response on it. I hear all this stuff on the rumor mill that we're waiting to bring in. Uh, I think his name is David Stearns. From uh, he was yes. the uh, he was from uh, Milwaukee. Yes. Was I hibernating the last time Milwaukee won a World Series? Why are we so big on this guy? What did Milwaukee do that he's such a big uh, a big uh, big fish that they're trying to get? To me, there's only one thing that's as close to a guarantee as possible, and that's Theo Epstein. I know he wants ownership. Would you rather have a team that's never going to win or offer him what he wants, bring him in and let him slay this dragon just like he did with Boston and Chicago? He's the closest one to a guarantee. Give the man what he wants, and if it's a piece of ownership, so be it. Thank you, Larry. I'm right, coming Sam. over to New York uh, so we could jump off the Empire State Building together. You have a wonderful rest of your evening, my friend. All right, Sam. Thanks. Do you believe that guy? Sam wants me to jump off the Empire State Building with him. As much as I like Sam, I don't know if he's the one to uh, to jump off the bridge with. I still got a week, Sam. I got a week. Maybe you and Gordon can do it because both both the Yankees and the Mets are uh, down in the tubes. Gordon may already be off the bridge. Yeah, he might be halfway down. <laughs> yeah. Gordon may already be done. I mean, I hear what you're saying, Sam, and and but see, here's the difference. 
the Mets brought back the same team. And yeah, that team struggled near the end. But at least that team won 101 games. I know the Yankees won 99. But you could see that team, that was a better, the offense was better. That was a better offense than what the Yankees had last year. The Yankees would have killed for that Met offense in the second half. They don't won the division with the Met offense in the second half. The Met offense was pretty good, so they landed in Atlanta. And then, you know, the power outage struck. <laughs> and they, they never recovered. They didn't recover in the postseason. They never recovered. Never recovered. Still haven't recovered. So, and yes, they knew they needed the bat. They knew they did. And they let Ruff go and still kept Vogelbach. And they knew they needed to adjust, address that in the pre, in the, during the offseason and during the preseason, and they didn't do it. They didn't do that either. So, yeah, that's where, they, that's where the combination is correct. And I'm with you. I want Theo Epstein. I want the guy who makes World Series happen for teams that have been in a drought, record-setting drought. That's pretty good for your resume. I'm just saying, that's pretty good. You want to be a baseball executive. You throw your resume down there. I won, with the, I won World Series with the Cubs and Red Sox. Oh. <laughs> okay. Ain't nothing else to say. I don't. I don't need any. No, you don't need any recommend, letters of recommendation. I'm good. <laughs> Job is yours. And yes, even though it's not my ownership, I would give. I would give a piece of ownership. But that might be an issue because how much of ownership does he want? That that's where we might have some issues. That's where we might be like, eh, you know, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure. But I'd at least try to find out. No disrespect to Stern. None. I hear he's a really good baseball guy. I hear that he and Epler, Epler, they work together. They know each other. Everything would be good. But if I had my choice, Give me Theo Epstein all day and twice on Sunday. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Tommy's in Connecticut. What's up, Tommy? Larry, don't, don't, don't get yourself too worked up, buddy. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Just, just listen to those soothing notes of Joey Salvia, all right? I mean, Tommy, I got, I got Roy Orbison coming from the dead telling me it's over. I got a guy in San Antonio ready to come to New York to have me jump off the Empire State Building, and you want me to not get worked up? It's too late. It's too I, late, I, Tommy. I, I, listen, man, I, normally I call in belly aching about my Yankees. So I, I, I know where you're at. You know, here we are, you know. Peacocking that we that we beat the we beat the Kansas City Royals for three games. They got twenty eight wins on the year. Tommy, listen, take it from a Met fan. You'll take the wins as you can get them, my friend. You're not proud right now. You need the wins. No, 
<laughs> a win is a win, right? A win is a win. So, so how did you uh, how did you consume the game last night? Did you watch the regular broadcast? No, 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 no. K Rod, I'm a K Rod guy. How, I'm a K Rod, and how, plus the added that how my good guy, was, Don how good was that lineup, on? man? Oh, come on, Tommy, with Don LeGreco on there, I had to watch it. Donnie was awesome. That whole that whole lineup, I guess, was fantastic. They were. Bill Lee was tremendous. <laughs> oh my, he was so funny. I, I was, I was, I was rolling on the floor laughing. And then, and honestly, Johnny Damon was fantastic. He and was. he, I think he got, he got that inning where, where the Red Sox like slapped like seven singles oh, in a row. He was on forever. I know. Believe oh me, I know. my God. I was, but, uh, Don was, I was Don was on that. Nothing against Damon. I wanted Don on that inning, but he ended up getting the top and bottom of an inning. So it was okay. He got a fair amount of time, and he then did. I thought it was really cool to to listen to Mookie talk about uh, how that him and uh, Bill Buckner have such a great friendship. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Now, isn't that's that awesome. Yeah, it is. All right, Larry, man, keep keep your keep your head up, bud. I'll try, Tommy. Thanks a lot. Mookie Wilson was one of the uh, as a young the the back in the day term was cub reporter, uh, but as a young reporter backing up the reporter covering the Mets for the 86 season and whatnot, Mookie was, Mookie was so much fun to talk to. I learned a lot of baseball from talking to Mookie Wilson. A lot of baseball I learned from him. He was fun-loving. He always had a couple of minutes for you. You could always talk to him. Another person who was like that for me was Willie Randolph. I used to talk to Willie Randolph all the time. I, I had, one, I talked to Willie Randolph so much. I, th- I looked at him one day. He gave me a look. I'm like, I better not go over and talk to Willie today. Willie needs a day off. <laughs> but Mookie Wilson was really cool. Was really really cool. And uh, I, I really enjoyed talking to him about baseball and and just watching him. And you know what it does though? I just got to tell you, as a Met fan. And as a reporter, you look and you 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 see what's going on with um, the older players that you've covered and you, you you spoke to, and you see their kids playing, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, this is crazy. Uh, John Morosi on X is saying, has posted. Orioles D-backs among, among teams inquiring with the Angels about Shohei Otani's trade availability. Both clubs' interest has been described as due diligence. Both teams have the young talent base conducive to making a trade. Hmm. I still don't think he's going anywhere. But, but I will say this. If you're the Angel, you, you, you have to do something. Sources say Angels' internal discussions about a buy-slash-sell decision remain ongoing. Team officials are likely to wait until after the upcoming Tigers and Blue Jays series before determining if they're willing to move Otani. Also, on X, Andy Martino, who is SNY's baseball insider, says the Mets are not open for business yet. They're going to wait until the weekend. Much like me. So they're going to wait and see where they are. I think they're going to be sellers, honestly. I really do. And I'm really not sure what they can sell. 
I'm really not sure. When we return, this has really turned interesting with these running backs in the National Football League to the point where they're now holding Zoom conference calls to figure out what their strategy is. Can it work or not? I'll give you my thoughts next. It's hard to see Pagrasso on the Dan Grasso Show on 987 ESPN. I don't think there are extras in the cause anymore. I don't even know. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's not my money, but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I'm serious. I, I wouldn't. And, and A, and B, I don't think Strowman is coming back here. I don't think that was a, that was a troublesome relationship. <laughs> troublesome. That's all I'm going to say. That was a troublesome relationship. And, you know, uh, him being from here, he, uh, you know, Long Island guy. And it just, it was just crazy. It, it just was always an issue. Always an issue. So I don't, th- but, you know, I hear what you're saying. Maybe one of them, but not both. I'll put it that way, Jay Blaze. I might do one of them, but not both. All right. Tomorrow, the New York Giants open up training camp. And uh, I would say that there's a better chance of Aaron Judge being in the lineup tomorrow batting leadoff than Saquon Barkley walking through that door at Giants Stadium. That was funny, actually. Thank you. Uh, so I, I, he's not coming. He's not. You're not going to see Saquon Barkley, I would think. You're not going to see Saquon Barkley till maybe the week of uh, week one when you guys play Dallas. That's probably when you'll see him. And what's interesting, and the conversation is real interesting, as to what options do running backs have, and the fact that. Several of them got on a Zoom call this weekend to discuss their options and discuss what's going on is a nice way to start. But here's the reality of it. For them to be effective, what would they how would what would they have to do? They would all have to be able to say. If we don't make this amount of money, we're not coming in. And think about this. You're looking at a players association that had issues when it was not just one position, but players overall. You had issues with everybody being on the same page as far as saving money to put in the fund for when they had a strike for players who really needed monetary assistance. Because only the top 1% of the players in the National Football League are making a ton of guaranteed money. And 90% of that 1% are quarterbacks. (laughs) And the rest make up of some receivers and some corners, a few linemen, a few pass rushers. 90% of that 1% are quarterbacks. And so with that scale being so top-heavy, 
How do guys who are just trying to make the team, how do guys who are on the practice squad, they can't afford not to work. This is it for them. And while I understand the running back position the way it is and how they are being devalued and how they are on a totally different pay scale and how because of what they do and their workload is not compensatory to a punter or a field goal kicker, a return specialist. I don't know how this changes. I don't know how them on a Zoom call changes things. I don't know that them bringing it to the union changes things because the union represents everybody. How can they now go through to have a separate bargaining position? I mean, they just signed the deal. The, the next deal is not up until 2030. Seven more years. But then they're between playing 25 games this season, but that's another story. But nevertheless, uh, how do they – what is the road that the running back has to face so that they can get better treatment? Now, once again, it's a start by everybody having that conversation. It's a start by them getting on the Zoom and saying, okay, what, what are we going to do? So We know it needs to change. What can we do? Are they going to say, all right, this is – here's the money. Okay, this is the – we have to sign for this. But that's not going to work because if, if I draft a kid out of college in the third round and run him and run him and run him, I could run him for a couple of seasons before he's even up for renewal. So they're, they're dealing from a position of weakness. It's sad. It's unfair. I mean, I understand it in theory from the teams and the front offices. The better they are, the less they're worth to me as they get older. And you could say that with any player, but especially with the workload of the running back. So you get a really talented back and you run him and you run him and you run him and you run him and you, you know, you're like, man, he's 26. He's about done. His career is almost over. I've had him four years. He's gained, what, four, 5,000 years rushing. He's carried 150, 200 times a year. High end, 300 times a year. Caught another 100, 120 passes. I'm not paying him. His career is almost over. I can get somebody else and restart that clock. It's, it's a tough situation. I was reading... Um, where Carl Banks, former outstanding giant linebacker, does a tremendous job on their broadcasts, uh, was saying to Saquon Barkley, you know, don't sit out, play for the franchise tag, and just, you know, play. And I get that. I understand it. It's a, I just don't believe he's going to sit out. I, I don't. I don't. But... He's taking a chance because if he gets hurt, then he's going to be worth less next year because what will the Giants say? And I don't know if the, I mean, Jordan Runon has indicated that in the people he's spoken with, that relationship is over after this year. 
that the you know Giants and Saquon are, are just waiting for the divorce papers to come through <laughs> from the judge. After this season, they're done. But you know, and that's how it could feel now, and things could change. You know how that goes. But if he gets hurt now, he's already been in a situation where he's missed what over twenty games in his career. If he gets hurt on the franchise tag, he's not worth. It's gonna be less money. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough situation. The closest thing I there was a similar situation, not maybe the closest thing, but I remember the Jets had an issue like that with Leon Washington. Leon Washington, great running back, return kicks, punts in the backfield for the Jets. Uh, had really good seasons, wanted money, played for the franchise tag, I think, or last year of a contract or anything, something of that nature, and ultimately got hurt and ended up not playing for the Jets. I think he went on to Oakland for the then Oakland Raiders, if memory serves me correct. It's a really scary proposition that a lot of players, you know, you have to seriously think about it, especially in the position of the running back and how they are being treated and valued right now. The NFL's got to do something because you use the running back. Oh, we can talk about tossing the ball down the field and five wides and four wides and the running back and the empty backfield and all the creative offensive things that we see and will continue to see in the National Football League. And how, and how many times do we hear analysts tell us, oh, pack your pack your running game and your defense when you go on the road in the wintertime in the Northeast. That's what you do. I mean, Damian Woody would say that all the time. Well, we're going to pack our, our running game and our, our defense, and we'll be good. But we don't want to pay the running back. <laughs> just, it's, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy. It is. We'll continue the conversation with you on 98.7 ESPN.